Welcome back to The Mining Pod. On today's show, we are joined by Ray Salmon, the head of markets at Cointelegraph. In this show, we do a mining stock draft. That's the first one we've ever done. We're probably going to do this about every three months, revisit different mining stocks that we've drafted during the beginning of the year, maybe even sub in and sub out, different draft picks. Ray and I each picked five different public miners to select during the beginning of the year and see how they perform over the next three months or so. This is a really fun exercise. Uh, of course, it's not financial advice, it's just for education purposes only. We use only publicly available information that is out there, either for events, conferences, press releases, etc. Uh, it's a really fun concept that we're probably going to continue doing. If you have any feedback on it, please hit us up at william at blockspace.media. We'd appreciate your insights. Lastly, we'd like to make a shout out to Foreman Mining, the lead sponsor for the show. We'll hear a bit from them midway through the broadcast. Okay, also go and subscribe to blockspace.media, our newsletter. We're putting out some great content in that newsletter, about two articles per week. That's fresh, organic content on all things Bitcoin, whether it be ordinals, inscriptions, price talk, ETF news, Bitcoin mining, etc. It's really quick. It's about five minutes. Catch you up to date on everything Bitcoin mining. Get you on with your week. So go subscribe, blockspace.media. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. It's here. We're from our sponsors. Get to the conversation. Want to mine Bitcoin? Gator Mining offers premium hosting with as low as one unit per client, 95% uptime guaranteed, no curtailment, 24-7 monitoring and maintenance, in-house certified repair center, clean and renewable energy, all at competitive market rates. Work with an individualized team to get hash rate flowing your way today. Gator Mining, pioneering trustworthy crypto hosting for optimal mining success. Contact Gator Mining today at gatormining.ca. Bitcoin miners, be prepared. Hashrate is moving upstream towards power plants and low value energy. Don't get cut off. Modernize and mobilize your Bitcoin mining fleet today with Upstream Data's high performance load centers. Plug in Upstream Data's hash hut and monetize surplus wind power reliably in the blistering heat of West Texas. Plumb in hash generators and safely convert natural gas into cash in the frigid winters of Northern Canada. Upstream offers high quality load centers that will help you mine Bitcoin safely and reliably in every application and climate. Mobilize today and start mining upstream at upstreamdata.com. Are you a retail or institutional investor interested in Bitcoin mining companies? The Miner Mag brings you free data and analysis from all major NASDAQ-listed Bitcoin mining operations to know who stands out. Check out visualized metrics and data-dependent stories at theminermag.com. Welcome back to The Mining Pod. Today, we're joined by Ray Salmon, head of markets at Cointelegraph. Ray, welcome to the show. We got a great one today. Excited for you to yeah. talk mining. We're going to draft some miners today. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm wondering if we're a little bit late in the draft. Like we're doing like uh, we're doing like uh, who's the owner of um, Jerry Jones of the Cowboys where he yeah. drafts late instead of early and he gets crappy players. And then he's trying to like buy people who are getting thrown out of their contract late in the season because all the miners are up three, four hundred percent. We've got the having coming. So um, I'm wondering if we're like if it's wise for us to be drafting stuff after they're up three hundred, four hundred percent. But Let's do it. I think there's something to that. Uh, mining markets last year, probably like a year ago, would have been the time to do a draft. But it's the beginning of the year, so we're going to make this a new tradition. Uh, we're going to be putting fake money on all these miners we've selected. So we're going to go through all the publicly listed miners, whether they be in Canada, London, or here in the U.S. Uh, we'll put like a fake hundred bucks on each miner, and we'll take a look every quarter and see how they are doing. So there's only over like 25, I think, at this point, and we're going to each select five go back and forth on each one. 
uh, and kind of give some takes on why we selected these miners. Interestingly enough, Ray and I both selected completely different miners. So uh, that'll be kind of a nice diversity of choices here. And if you have feedback on it, please send it over. Before we start the draft portion of the show, I'm going to throw it to Ray just to give a quick overview of the market. You did it right there. Like Miners are up 300% uh, year to date. Everything is pumping last year because Bitcoin was going back up. But it's also because you couldn't go lower, right? Like some of these, a lot of these miners that we're even going to talk about had delisting notices put out against them because they weren't meeting specifications for being on the stock exchange. So I'll throw it over to you for a quick overview before we start our draft. Yeah, I totally agree. And some like Core Z were on the verge of bankruptcy. Some of them looked like they were just going to go to zero and never come back. I was super stressed at that time, but I agree with you. Um, now is kind of a good time to be looking at Bitcoin mining stocks for a variety of reasons. One, because we're kind of entering into a risk on climate. Uh, risk on sentiments are a little bit up, given that everybody assumes that the Bitcoin spot ETF is going to be approved. It's clear as day that BlackRock and other uh, large, like multi-trillion dollar money managers are taking up positions and or stake in these Bitcoin mining companies. And uh, Bitcoin miners are profitable and have kind of fixed a lot of the debt issues that they had during the crash. So like you said, I think some positives are is prices up, network difficulties increasing, transaction fees are rising, minor profit margins are way up. Uh, and there's these like positive BTC growth catalysts right around the corner. Um, the price is like actual Bitcoin price is above the aggregate cost of production, uh, which is good. And a lot of miners, at least the listed ones, are looking well capitalized and have got their debt management um, issues kind of sorted and are ready for the having. So um, I agree with you. There's good things going on, but I do see like the Bitcoin beta spot Bitcoin price beta to Bitcoin mining stocks correlation, um, not necessarily breaking down, like they're still trading in tandem. Bitcoin price is down right now. Miners are down even more. Uh, and I think the big threat for us or stock investors might be the risk of dilution and the risk of capital rotation as people no longer might need to look at Bitcoin mining stocks as a proxy investment to actual Bitcoin when they can go buy ETF shares. So, and the upside is for, kind of forecast to be greater in Bitcoin price appreciation post having versus making the assumption that all of these miners that are way up right now and will see their cost of production um, kind of rise after the having that they'll continue to be kind of like going gangbusters with double digit and triple digit, uh, triple digit, um, uh, price gains. So I think we're kind of like in a Darwinian stage where the strongest are going to survive, the most efficient are going to survive. And it's time to look through this list of like 20 great miners and figure out which ones are actually well positioned to uh, be profitable going into 2024. Yeah, definitely. There are a few points I want to unpack. One happening coming up, a lot of people are forgetting about that because the ETF, most people are focused on the ETF and what that's going to do. Um, happening is going to wreck people's balance sheets and there could be some wipeouts uh, and M&A acquisitions around that period. Uh, for the Bitcoin ETF, people are wondering, do flows for these mining stocks disappear and sort of dry up as they go into Bitcoin ETF? Or is there just generally more interest in the space and the entire flows go into all of these stocks and all these financial products? Because uh, 
uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. So that is yet to be seen. I think that's why this draft is actually at a pretty interesting moment, even if a lot of these stocks are up 200, 300% year to date. Uh, we kind of are coming at a time where you know, a week away from possible ETF or even less, it could be at the end of day today, we're recording this on on Friday. So we could be seeing something here soon. And I think people are looking at their uh, accounts and wondering, okay, before we drive dive into the draft itself, a few base rules. So each of us is picking five. We each have about two minutes to give our position on why we're picking this mining stock. Uh, we're kind of going through like the publicly available information um, as pertains to ownership of stocks. Myself, I own a little bit of Core ZQ, and that is it as of right now. Um, though I do own, actually, we're going to make it the ETF that encumbers like a lot of these different mining stocks as well. So uh, I actually don't even know what's in that ETF at, at the moment. So I think right, it's right, generally, right, right. generally bullish all mining stocks. Um, so that that's my disclosures. I'd also like to say that this is not financial advice, classic podcast line, but it is true. This is just for education purposes. So. If you like what we're doing, you like the stocks we pick, that's great. But go, please do your own research. We're not responsible for the money you allocate to any of these investments. Okay. Ray, anything you want to add there before we get going? Yeah, I totally agree. It's not financial advice. Do your own uh, research. Stocks, crypto stocks especially, are super volatile. Uh, my disclosure is I own Marathon, Riot, BitFarms, uh, BTBT, HUT, CLSK, Iris, Kind of on Wolf, Sato, um, I do not own Estig, Cypher, um, Galaxy, Corzy, or Are We Gonna Make It? Um, so those are the ones that I'm positioned in at this moment. Awesome. You own a lot more mining stocks than I do. I think I own more ASICs than I do mining stocks at the moment. So That's good. That's Different good. Exposure. I'm a degenerate gambler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you still get that Bitcoin beta when it comes to selling those ASICs later down the road. Okay, here we go. first pick so go ahead and pick your first bitcoin miner for the draft all right for the 2024 draft uh i am going to pick terra wolf and the reason why i'm picking terra wolf is um i guess if we look over their figures real quick they mined 334 bitcoin at an average of 10 per day they're building out new facilities all the time they've got a lot of hash rate underneath um underneath their control um, they're diversified by rolling out into generative AI this year. I think it's very important going into the having that all publicly listed miners that have heavy overhead costs uh, in terms of like OPEX, CAPEX, payroll and all that, they need to have some exposure to renewables. They need to have alternate renewal, uh, alternate revenue resources, whether that be like HPC or uh, running GPUs or uh, having some involvement with like ordinals, say like having multiple sources of revenue um, and fixed power contract is going to be really important. So um, they've sorted out their debt issue. They're repaying $14 million in debt uh, with cash by quarter four of this year. Um, they are planning to expand from five exohash to um, seven and they have plans to hit 10 exohash by the end of the year. So we see them grabbing more hash rate uh, and also moving alongside the big boys like Marathon, CleanSpark, Riot uh, with that hash rate increase. And um, uh, 
uh, their power contract, like they're mining one Bitcoin, I think at less than 12,000 per coin. It's 11.2K per coin, which is great. Uh, they've got power contracts la- locked in at, at, at below four cents per kilowatt hour, which is incredible. Um, and uh, another thing I think is possible, po- positive is they have access to nuclear energy. I think it's locked in at for four years at like two cents or three cents per kilowatt, which is an amaz- amazing. And uh, on their website, it says that they're 90% based on renewables. Um, I'm not exactly how sure that is, but it is on their website and in their disclosure. So that gives me comfort going into the halving. But I do think some threats to uh, terrible stock is that we're still in a tight, um, we're in a tight lending environment where there's high interest rates. It's hard for crypto companies and Bitcoin uh, companies to secure capital uh, from banks. So they need to self-fund and they need to be revenue positive. And usually that means some sort of at-the-money facility where they're issuing more shares and diluting shareholders um, by issuing more shares to grow. So um, while the stock has done really well this year, it's also kind of not kept up alongside its peers in the last three to four months. And that gives me um, reasons to have concerns about you know, exactly how much upside is there in the short term, but they seem well positioned in the long term over the next year or two uh, to be, you know, a, a dominant player in this space. Definitely. And they have some good numbers. Uh, I think like 334 Bitcoin mined last month. Um, and then they also just seem to be having like a, a pretty good tribe of people gathering around the wolf. I think the part of it is like that nuclear armor, right? They, they kind of differentiate themselves, which is a key part. In a commodity business, you need to differentiate yourself from the, all the other producers of the commodity, whether that be like a different revenue stream like ordinals or demand response, or even in this case, your energy strategy. The only concern I have with Terra Wolf is on the debt side of things. I don't have their debt numbers in front of me. I'm trying to look around for them uh, while you're speaking there. The only thing I found was a tweet actually from this morning where they said that they repaid $14 million in debt with cash mm. generated in 2023. Um, it's unclear what the cash was generated from, whether it was an ATM or just from Bitcoin mining itself. But they did have like a debt-heavy model uh, from the get-go. And that's because I think they their energy solution was relying on that. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's something they can't work out. We saw BitFarms turn around, I think, close to $100 million in debt down to $4 million in debt. So uh, it's not necessarily anything that's too spooky, but that'd be my only critique. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, we will see how um, how efficient their entire mining operation is after the halving. Cool. For my next pick, and I'll caveat my five miners, it's very hard to pick. There's a lot of great teams out there. Uh, these are the ones that are kind of on my radar as of now, and they are somewhat in odd order. I kind of have my top three bets uh, as opposed to just picking one through five. So the first one I'll go with is BitFarms. Uh, BitFarms had a pretty incredible 2023 after having a pretty bleak 2022. Like I just mentioned, they had, I believe, over $100 million in debt outstanding. Uh, Their stock price went below $1. It looked like they possibly could have been delisted. Probably not because people would have come in and purchased it up. But um, there was a notice out against them for delisting because they were under that specification. But in 2023, they really turned things around and have grown like crazy. Just some numbers, 44% uh, increase in hash rate year over year, 
They're moving to 12 exahashes planned by the middle of this year at 25 joules per terahash. So increasing their fleet size by about double and then also decreasing or increasing the efficiency of it. And then trying to move towards 17 exahash at 23 joules per terahash. Uh, they made, of course, the huge purchase order with the T21. They're going to have 36,000 units by the end of this like June or so. It's like H1. And then the option to purchase another 28,000 units. Uh, and that brings their XH total towards those numbers I just stated, the 12 and the 17, while also bringing down their, uh, well, increasing their efficiency, I should say. They earned 4,900 Bitcoin in 2023. It's one of the largest uh, Bitcoin miners in terms of BTC production out there. Uh, and they also really cleaned up their balance sheet with $100 million debt down to about $4 million in debt. They have $84 million cash in hand, $34 million in BTC. So some really strong numbers. Now, I will give my critiques that $34 million in BTC as a hodl is pretty small compared to others, 800 Bitcoin. Like that's not small compared to you and I, but compared to a clean spark or compared to a marathon digital, it's not a very big hodl. Uh, and going into a halvening and going into a post Bitcoin ETF land, I would want to have more Bitcoin on my balance sheet and less cash. I'm sure why they did that. Another part about this is they're aggressively increasing their units on the rack shelf. That can take time. Uh, we've certainly seen teams be able to execute and I think BitFarms is one of those teams that has executed in the past, but we'll see if they're able to execute with these new orders and if Bitmain can deliver these units uh, going forward. So I, that's that's my pick. I, I stand by. I think they also have one of the best share values in terms of price increase over last year. I think it was close to over 250%. I don't know if that rides into like another 250% year in 2024. That seems like pretty speculative to say something like that, but I think they're going to do very well just based on uh, the fact that they can clean up their balance sheet, they have a strong balance sheet, and they have really strong purchase orders with allocations for, for energy in 2024. Yeah, I love that. One, one thing I would kind of, uh, I'm not pushing back on it, but just sharing an alternate insight. So I was at the Bitmain Hong Kong event over the summer where they rolled out, I think it's the S21 um, XP, all those new generation rigs, right? And I spoke to Core Scientific. They were just announced they were coming out of bankruptcy and have figured it out. And I also spoke to um, all the guys at TerraWolf and the guys at CleanSpark too. And they all said, uh, Core actually reflected the, the guy, his name's Jeff. And he said in front of all his peers, when I asked him on the stage, he said, um, you know, we are the example of how a holdle strategy uh, can get you burned and what the consequence of that is. And we've learned from that. And then uh, this, the one of the main leads from CleanSpark and, um, and Nazar from, uh, from TerraWolf said, you know, we are not prioritizing HODL at all. We have no intention of building a Bitcoin HODL bag. Part of good risk management and maintaining our books is to be, you know, nimble and cash rich one of our main duties is to return value to shareholders. And um, we do that through through mining Bitcoin and selling Bitcoin. We hold all Bitcoin every day by buying it and, um, you know, holding it temporarily and selling it at a profit. So um, perhaps going into the halving, 
especially if cost of production is going to rise and miners aren't exactly sure like what hash rate is going to do and how uh, efficient their farms are, even though they've run models, perhaps going into the halving, it might be a good thing. Uh, now, HUT is different. Marathon is different. Riot's different. Sure, they have like 10,000 Bitcoin in their holdable treasuries, $500 yeah. million dollars cash on tap and all that. But for these guys that, are, that aren't yet there yet, it might be wise for them to kind of stay cash rich and not necessarily build up this huge Bitcoin hodl bag. And then we've also got, last thing I'll say, I know it's lengthy. Very good. Bitcoin derivatives, uh, like Bitcoin mining derivatives, hash rate derivatives, ways to like hedge and manage that risk and also lock in like hash price and derive profit from that, as opposed to, you know, having the strategy of I'm going to have all these Bitcoin in my treasury and hope that it does a two or a three X and that that generates more profit for us. So I think, you know, different, different strategies are being explored in this cycle. Definitely. And I think you just added more firepower to my BitFarms pick then. So I'll take it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you're on the board yeah. for the next one. Um, I'm going to go with Sato Technologies. They're, they're small, um, but mighty. So they've only got like half an exahash or 500 petahash um, online, but their revenue is up by 26% at 1.6 uh, million. Um, they're also not dangerous Bitcoin treasury holders. So they're, they're not holding all the Bitcoin that they mined. They mined 38 Bitcoin in December, um, and sold 41 Bitcoin. Uh, they hold 40 Bitcoin in their treasury. They're mining Bitcoin at about 16,000 per coin, which is, I think that's okay. I think that's, you know, I think that's on the higher end to be honest, but I think it's okay because one, they have plans to bring on 20 megawatts of hydroelectric electricity in Quebec. So they have that exposure to renewables. They're also involved with HPC uh, computing and AI um, running GPUs and all that. So I think having that revenue diversification uh, will be important and beneficial for them after the halving. Now it's a foreign listed stock. Um, it's, I think it's a bit of a YOLO speculative play, but when I look at the Sato chart, it's trading for 53 cents, right? Um, it's much cheaper than a lot of its other contemporaries, right? And they're small, but there's a lot of room for growth there. So the fact that they're small and that it's priced low compared to sector leaders kind of gives me the assumption that if they continue to grow and Bitcoin continues to see this upside, that the stock price could possibly go above 80 cents or above a dollar and 20 cents, which is a really good gain from where we are right now. So um, I do think a threat to their growth could be um, that Canada has not always been like super friendly. They're wishy-washy on, on how, you know, like, are we wanting miners to operate in Quebec and other parts of Canada, or do we not? You know, they're always going back and forth on that, and that scares uh, investors, that scares stockholders, uh, that even makes like a merger and acquisition um, opportunity and fundraising opportunities uh, a little bit more precarious. So I think that's something to keep in mind with this uh, with this small company, but I, I do like them. I think it's possibly a good YOLO play. Hey listeners, let's talk about revolutionizing your mining operation with Foreman. 
This isn't your average management tool. It's an all-in-one solution for reducing costs and significantly boosting your revenue. Foreman brings a cutting-edge dashboard to your fingertips, empowering you with automated energy strategies. This means not only curtailing around real-time prices, but also strategically enhancing your profit margins through demand response. It's about leveraging energy efficiency to its fullest potential. With Foreman, you get a system that scales with your business, inventory management for assets, infrastructure integration, and business intelligence. Foreman elevates the cash flow and production of your entire operation. To see how Foreman can redefine your mining operation standards, visit foreman.mn. I think that's one thing I wanted to bring with this with this draft is talking about some of the smaller players. Uh, funny enough, I ended up picking almost all big names during this. Uh, but I think Sato is a strong contender. They have a very forward-looking team, especially with the Ordinals inscriptions. They went forward last year, a year ago this time, and started putting a, a lot of investments into inscriptions. Yeah. Them and DMG. So I think that's like a very strong play. Um, last bit on Canada. We've seen that as well. Bit Farms, obviously, Canadian-based team. And they've started moving outside Canada a lot because they just, I, I don't think they want to deal with a lot of the uh, infrastructure communism, I will say, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what does it mean for, bit farms can do that, but what does it mean for a smaller firm like this? They, they come into Texas for six cents per kilowatt might not work for them and having to set up infra and work with aircraft yeah. and all that. They might not have that ability, so um, I've got my fingers crossed on this one. Definitely. Okay, let's move over to my pick. My second park is Clean Spark. So we can go through Clean Spark pretty quickly. I think I love that one. I, I think it's a really strong pick. Um, it was between Bitfarms and Clean Spark for, for my first pick. And I guess my top three are kind of all like I would pick any of them. Clean Spark, give you a quick overview. I think that they have one of the best teams in terms of execution. Uh, they also grew out their Sandersville site quite a bit this last year. And just kind of watching the documentation of it on Twitter was impressive. Uh, last year during the bear market and even 2022, they spent a lot of their capital purchasing things at bottom barrel prices. And they turned around and have just you know, brought that infrastructure online. So not only like buying the bottoms, but also executing so that they can start uh, making cash generation with those assets during the bull market. Um, they have deep roots in the Georgia market, which can be good and bad. We've seen that the Georgia market, if you work with people there, you can have low cost energy and have like a sustainable business. But we have seen some problems in the past with Georgia markets where PPAs and things like that don't work out. That being said, you are out of the Texas market. Uh, I think CleanSpark has a small foothold in Texas, but most of the their infrastructure is in Georgia. Texas has a lot of Bitcoin mining. I'm expecting some political pressure there over the next two years, the very least, uh, just because people are going to be upset that there's all these Bitcoin miners there taking energy. In terms of numbers, they mined 7,391 Bitcoin in 2023. They mined 720 Bitcoin in December, and they grew their Bitcoin holdings by 1,200% from 228 Bitcoin to 3,000 Bitcoin over the year. I think that just shows you that they were committed to mining Bitcoin, hodling it, and seeing what they can do with it going into 2024. And we've already seen the first bit of that with the launching of a BTC OTC trading desk for that Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. uh, and that might sound like kind of a weird thing for a Bitcoin miner to do, but 3000 Bitcoin is a lot of Bitcoin. There's a large market out there for OTC uh, Bitcoin still. And I think the fact that they're forward looking saying like, hey, we have this fresh bag of Bitcoin, we can do something in the financial world with this shows that they're pretty forward looking. Um, okay, so let's move over from there. Some negatives that I just want to point out. And this might not even be a negative. It's more just actually kind of 
question and we'll see what people think about it. But they did ape into S19 XPs pretty hard. Uh, they've apparently had really good uptime and no problems with them. That being said, the S21 is now out. It has about 60 terahash more per unit. And I believe the cost per unit has been lower than what CleanSpark was able to purchase these for. I've seen some T21 deals go for uh, a little bit lower than these XP deals were at the time. So I think that's one interesting thing to me is like, was it worth going big on these XPs versus waiting for the T21 or S21 unit to come out? Now, the flip side of that, of course, is the XPs are on the shelf and mining right now, pre-halving, while these T21 and S21 units are still being delivered. And so it might not really be that you want to play the S21 game because you don't have the units on your rack and you're not mining Bitcoin with them yet. You just have an order out for them. So sometimes it's better to be hashing as opposed to waiting for a more efficient unit in the future. Uh, that's my pick. CLSOK, throw it to you. Any thoughts? I love them. I think they're brilliant. I love that they basically bought up everything on pennies on the dollar during the bear market because they were always selling Bitcoin rather than building a huge holdle bag. Um, in regards to them being a Bitmain partner and as a result of that kind of being forced to buy all those new machines, um, I do think they're cash rich enough to optimize their fleet uh, if they run into some efficiency issues after the halving. And I'm sure they've modeled that out. So um, it doesn't give me much I'm not too worried about them in the short term. Yeah, I honestly don't see a ton of red flags at the moment that I can think of with them. And they've been really transparent. Not. You know, yeah. some of these like SDIG, Core, some of the other ones, they're, it's, it's hard to get disclosure from them. It's Definitely. hard to know exactly what their plans are, what their debt is. But CleanSpark is one of those that have always been really transparent, forward-facing, straightforward about what their mission is, what they represent, what their books look like. So that should give, that would, I would hope that would give investors confidence. I'm not going to say it should give investors confidence. That might push people to buy the stock. But um, yeah, I like that project a lot. One thing I should actually say in terms of transparency is the dilution, their dilution via companies like the Miner Mag that we can look at some of the information shows them. They've diluted a lot in Q3. Mm. Uh, they had 150 million in equity financing, and you know they've been a dilution for team. They said like we have three levers: sell Bitcoin, dilute shareholders via equity, or take on debt. Those are your options to grow a Bitcoin mining business, and they've decided to dilute as opposed to take on debt or sell Bitcoin. They do sell Bitcoin, but not as much as they could with that 3,000 BTC hodl. Um, I think that's upset a lot of people. The dilution has, but on the other hand, they've always been pretty forward about that so it doesn't really surprise me like people know people's strategies at this point so i'm always confused why people get upset about it but you know if we're talking about pros and cons for each pick i should definitely put that as a possible con so i threw that in there um what's your take on what's your take on how that alters um investor behavior after the halving so if projects continue to fundraise to expand to add more hash rate to buy more gear um, to raise funds and that negatively impacts stock price. And we have the option of this ETF now or spot Bitcoin through Coinbase or something like that. How do you think that that, uh, that fundraising mechanism will impact stock price and investor behavior? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that you're going to have, 
you're going to need more responsibility from these mining teams to not lean into equity financing as quickly or as hard. I've seen some pretty crazy equity financing deals. So I think you're going to have to be more uh, responsible or constrictive with the choice to go into equity uh, because there's going to be options for flows to go into an ETF or something else where you're not seeing as much of that. Um, I still think the equity financing is fine. Like I said, there's three options for growing a Bitcoin mining business, especially at scale. And if you're, as long as you're doing it in a transparent way and you're also doing it in a way that makes sense from a math perspective, then I think you're fine. And I would say CleanSpark has done both those things. Like they've consistently said that they would dilute people at certain times and they typically did it at a very good valuation from a exahash to shareholder value perspective. There's other teams that haven't done that. I think that has put uh, people in a pickle. So that's the thing to watch. And post having that question will become a little bit sharper and teams could, you know, they could screw themselves over because they, they put out too much equity when, you know, people don't have to buy that anymore. They can, they can buy something else. But exactly. Back to you. And, you know, not everyone's an investor. So some people just want to buy and hold. Uh, that's their approach to stocks. So I wonder if any of these mining companies, the listed ones, will aim to become like blue chip dividend kings. None of them, uh, hardly any of them offer a dividend. So maybe if they're super profitable and fundraising, they can at least offer like a two, three, four, five percent uh, dividend so that people are growing their share count as they get diluted with kind of like Apple with the hope that five, 10 years down the road, these things have done like a 10x or a 20x and uh, you've benefited from the dividend. So I wonder if any of these companies will chase after that post-having. That's really interesting. Road. Yeah, there's a strong anti-equity thing in Bitcoin circles. I think just because Bitcoin, we have 21 million, you know, that mm-hmm. theme is very strong. And so people are attracted to it. But like you said, like equity is a vehicle, people use it. And there's ways to incentivize people to purchase equity, even if there is dilution. So hopefully you see that. Okay, I've said enough on CSLK. That is my second pick. Going to throw it over to you for your next pick. All right. So my next pick, uh, I'm picking HUD 8. Let me see if I can find it. There it is. Lovely. HUD 8. Um, Why? I was really impressed with the merger that they had with USBTC. Uh, They've brought a ton of hash rate online. The company recently uh, just, I mean, they just announced it. They recently purchased a 63 megawatt substation in Texas. They've got farms all over the United States um, and Canada. Um, They have a holdable bag with like 9,200 Bitcoin, which is the equivalent of $400 million. Um, They produced 453 Bitcoin in December, which is a 16% increase. They've got 21.5 exohash under management. So they're heavyweights and they're well positioned to keep that moving. Um, They've been, I I like their CEO. Um, They're very straightforward and connect with their investor base and with the Bitcoin community in a positive way. They seem ideologically aligned with what Bitcoin represents and what Bitcoin investors are interested in. Um, Similar to pretty much every other Bitcoin mining stock, though, they're down 30% on the week. Uh, Prior to that, this stock went parabolic on the merger in the one to five uh, split. One thing I think you can look at on all of these Bitcoin mining stocks is the relative straight index was oversold. So after a year of doing two, three, four, five, six hundred percent gains, we had the RSI up here in the 80s, right? In the 70s and the 80s, which is 
pretty high. That means that the stock is overbought um, and sometimes due for a correction. Also, on the news of the merger, uh, we saw volumes go up and price went parabolic. And then afterwards, not long afterwards, uh, things began to sell off. And all of these stocks also have a beta correlation to Bitcoin. So they basically trade beta to Bitcoin. They follow Bitcoin's price action uh, pretty closely. So as Bitcoin kind of topped out around that 45K um, mark and um, 2023 began to wrap up and we saw a lot of profit taking on Bitcoin mining stocks, price has corrected and dropped, right? So sure, that's concerning in the long term, but uh, I'm so, it's, it's concerning in the short term, but I don't think it's necessarily a reflection of what is to come um, because HUT 8 has great fundamentals. Uh, they're cash rich. They don't have a ton of debt. They're constantly expanding. Um, they also have you know, exposure to HPC and all that. So I think they're one of the megalith Bitcoin mining companies that are kind of set to thrive going into uh, 2024. Nice. Great pick. So I'm going to give you my thoughts on this real quick. And then we're going to speed up a little bit as we're got it. Yeah, running, along. Uh, running along, which of course, this is uh, somewhat planned. It's going to happen. So we still have three picks each, I think, or two, yeah, three picks each. Uh, for HUT8, USBTC, I think, yes, HUT8 has a really strong balance sheet in terms of Bitcoin there. And that's great going into CTF. If Bitcoin goes up 50%, which a lot of people are predicting, then that means HUT8's balance sheet is only that much stronger. Uh, I do think that US Bitcoin does have some more debt on its balance sheet. That is concerning. Um, it looks like they're going to close this Celsius deal. It looks like it's kind of a good deal for them. So that could be a win for both those teams. And they are also aggressively moving into the HPC scene. So we'll s- that to me is probably the biggest question mark. Is that a real strategy or is that just the moment AI is hot? Let's talk about it. Um, they do seem to have like a very strong team building around that. I've spoken with them. I've sat down with them and talked about it a few times with like privately and then on the show. And it looks pretty promising. So yeah, great pick. We'll leave that there. I'm going to move over and present my next pick, which is going to be Galaxy Digital Holdings. Galaxy Digital, I think it's a pretty strong pick for a few reasons. Uh, here's their stock chart. I forgot to put up for sales like, hey, but if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it now. Galaxy is listed on the Canadian Stock Exchange, so it does not have a lot of exposure in U.S. markets. I do believe they are trying to move to New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ in the future, though. And typically when we see stocks move over, that's a, that's a nice bonus. They had a crazy good year. Uh, from a mining perspective, they really strong numbers. They acquired the former Argo site down in Texas outside Lubbock. Uh, that's a really strong site, not only for the expansion it has. I think they have like 100 megawatts built out and growth up to 800 megawatts. Uh, it can be planned at that site, which is a you know, huge amount of uh, megawatts to be deployed. Uh, but they also have a great demand response program that brought their marginal cost of mining Bitcoin last quarter to zero. So that'd be Q3. Um, not every quarter can you have that because it's not always that hot or always that cold in Texas. But you know, if you have that optionality to bring your Bitcoin mine down that low, it's great. Now, the other thing with Galaxy is that they, of course, have all these other lines of business. Mining is just a part of what they do. 
Uh, so they have custody, they have staking, they have trading, they have OTC. And I think like combining all these things into one package sort of presents them as a mega miner and gives them the opportunity to kind of grow with the rest of the market, very much in the way that Coinbase is sort of seen as a proxy stock for uh, getting into the, the larger market. You can purchase Galaxy and have some exposure to everything. The biggest headwind I see is that it's hard to get allocation with them because they are listed in Canada. Um, and then also the fact that they they kind of have one or two sites right now and there's not, to my knowledge, future plans to get to that uh, that size of like a marathon or a riot is trying to get to where they're actually going to fully build into this megawatt allocation. I think Galaxy has an allocation. It doesn't seem from my understanding as of now that they're planning on building into it. They are growing with difficulty and that's about it. I'll throw it to you for your take. I totally agree with you. And I love the research that they put out and I like that they're diversified and to things that aren't totally mining related. Um, I hadn't considered, I hadn't really considered the growth constraints they have, one being based in Canada and two, um, that they don't have a lot of allocations. I hadn't considered that at all. And you're right, we're going to reach a point where competitiveness um, and efficiency will determine whether or not you make it regardless of how smart or how profitable you are. So that's something I hadn't considered, but I think it'll become more important down the road. Yeah, I definitely think they probably do build out the additional 700 megawatts they have and they have cash on the balance sheet to go purchase more things uh, i think that argo pick was really smart last year that helio site but they they don't generally give a lot of information on their mining they normally just do quarterly reports as opposed to monthly reports for everyone else so it's hard to know like what's coming down the pipeline in terms of expansion like all these other teams you know they say we're doubling our hash rate this year we're deploying thirty thousand t21s you don't really get that with Galaxy too often. So there's a little bit of an unknown that doesn't really filter into necessarily like the share price here. Okay. Yeah, I'll I agree with you. You. Uh, my next pick is Iris Energy. So that's a pretty simple one. Um, they mined 4,123 Bitcoin this calendar year. Uh, they're expanding to 10 exahash and it's fully funded. Um, they have ordered a whole bunch of H100 GPUs uh, to, I guess, train chat GPT and all those other uh, lovely things that are going to take all of our jobs from us, some people fear. Um, and they, they, I think they have a revenue of $17.2 million. And when I'm looking at their stock price, just from the vantage point of technical analysis and forecasting um, where growth could go for this stock, it kind of topped out this year at $9.75. It's pulled back near a support at $5.75 and currently trades for $6.20. And um, I kind of feel like if they catch headwinds underneath them and continue to grow and Bitcoin price does what we expect, I'm looking at $14, $18, and $22 as uh, a price target over the next one to two years, which is significant upside from where we are right now. So um, I also think I don't have that data on hand right now, but I do think that they have some um, exposure to renewables and really low um, power contracts. So it's a stock that I feel good about. Yeah, Iris Energy has definitely made a lot of moves um, and they've also been very good about branding. I think a lot of people in the Bitcoin scene know about them. Uh, so I think that's, again, a huge part with 
these Bitcoin mining stocks, which at the end of the day are just commodity producers? How do you differentiate yourself if you're making wheat or you're selling corn or you're selling gold? Well, it's often a branding play, right? And then also other streams of revenue. I think Iris has done a good job of getting their name out there. Uh, They've executed and they have like a lot of different growth strategies to be played out both in Texas and their other sites. So I think that's a super, super solid pick. And I honestly, I don't have too much to add from there. I mean, the stock price is obviously doing very solid. Everyone's dipping right now, as you can see in the red, but cool. I will jump over to my last two picks and we'll kind of run through these ones a little bit quicker. I'll do Marathon Digital for my next pick. Um, I think you could have asked the question, why didn't I pick Marathon Digital earlier? Um, I think mostly it's because like, I'm not sure like where the growth is from here in terms of the stock price. I'm going to bring up the image right now. I think marathon has absolutely crushed it and surprised people, surprised people who aren't really paying attention. But if you're kind of watching or like taking note of like their strategy, they've always maintained a very strong balance sheet financially. Uh, they've always had like the most Bitcoin on their balance sheet compared to other miners. Uh, they have a strong name brand, so they're able to go to the market and get uh, equity financing pretty easily. And they've also done a good job talking about their strategy, which formerly was asset light. And now they're kind of moving into a mixed model where they own assets and they have the hosting as well. I think you've seen like their stock increase so much, not only because of Bitcoin, but also because they've had really good production numbers recently. So last month, they just absolutely crushed it. Uh, they had about 1,200 BTC mined in one month. Another part about this is they have their own pool, which allows them to kind of like focus in on getting transaction fees. I mean, you're still going to get transaction fees, obviously, if you're using another pool provider. But the fact that they're forward-looking and have a pool does give them more optionality in a world where we have different block templates we're using. Um, lastly, I'd say like they have moved into a, not an asset light strategy, but a mixed model. So they went ahead and acquired some assets from Generate Capital uh, to build out both in Kearney, Nebraska, and down in Texas. I mean, I've been to the Kearney site. The Kearney site's been through a lot of different hands. Like I can name three people that have owned that site at one point. It's a really, really good site. Uh, just like the equipment there, the infrastructure, the town, the energy, it's a great site. So that was a really nice pickup for them. Um, and then I think lastly, just the 15K B- BTC in the balance sheet. You know, that gives you so much optionality. Uh, why did I pick them not my top three? Well, I think a lot of the question comes down to how many shares are out there in the market versus people wanting to purchase them. And if if you've kind of like run up and done your run up, are, is there another leg up to go? And there very well could be. I'm not a trading expert by any means, but I think with all these other options of the market and uh, possibly more equity dilution in the future as Marathon does use equity financing, then it might not be like, a pick I would necessarily make, but it is a very strong team with execution and a good strategy. Yeah, I totally agree. The price is looking a little bit toppy. Uh, when Marathon was trading under $10 per share, like 20% of the shares available, uh, floating shares were being shorted. Like if you go to Yahoo Finance and you look at the top 100 shortage shares, uh, Marathon was on there. So a bit of a squeeze happened that pushed the price from 10 to almost 20 earlier in this year when mining stocks were starting to get a bunch of attention there. Um, they also have a, a massive like immersion unit in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, don't they? Don't they operate something there? So Yeah, I think that's another good point you brought up is like they're 
their strategy has moved a little bit. And so they do have assets in the Middle East and in Latin America and some pilot programs. So they're definitely putting their fingers in different pies and trying them out. And the Middle East strategy already has like 15,000 units deployed. So that's not, that's even like, it's a full miner at this point. It's not just a, a test. Yeah, and I think that recently came online. So um, when it comes to these big miners, really all of them, but especially the big guys, I think something that you need to see, in addition to multiple revenue sources, perhaps having an international footprint, offering some sort of hosting or co-location, having super low power contracts or benefiting from that demand response uh, type of agreement that we see in Texas with ERCOT, having some sort of exposure to renewables if you don't have that demand response or super low power contracts. I think another thing that we need to see as this space becomes more industrialized, right, and more institutionalized is um, like BlackRock owns, has a 10% stake in Marathon and in Riot. So as ETF comes out and companies and pensions begin to make these percentage allocations to Bitcoin itself or to ETF shares, we want to see the same sort of thing happen with these mining companies, right? We want to see them uh, be heavily, we want to see their shares become part of just mom and pop portfolios and 401ks that are managed by average working Joes who know nothing about Bitcoin, but have exposure to an energy commodity, which is, that's basically what Bitcoin mining is, or they have exposure to a high tech um, assets like, you know, Apple, Bitcoin is basically the same thing, right? So if we can start to see um, big companies and um, asset managers increase their stake in Bitcoin mining companies and add those to their portfolio buckets, I think that puts a tailwind behind companies like Marathon, which even uh, with dilution could, I think, push the price up to 52 or maybe even 70. Awesome. Okay, that's some good analysis there. I didn't even think about those kind of things. I'll hand it to you for your last pick, and then I'll throw my last pick. We'll wrap up from there. All right, my last pick is a YOLO pick. It's really speculative. It's SDIG. Um, when I look at the SDIG chart, it just looks cheap, man. Like That's really, that's almost all I'm going off, is I'm looking at a chart that, has essentially gone back to zero. If you put a Fibonacci retracement on it, like put it on the weekly time frame, and this asset is literally trading at zero. And I remember when Core was trading at zero, and I remember when some crypto assets, which were like kings of DeFi, were trading at zero last year, like Avalanche and uh, what else, Solana. It's just a no-brainer when you look at fractals and market cycles. Uh, to buy things when they go to zero, if nothing has changed except for people's sentiment on it, right? So SDIG is trading at $7 right now. Um, It's cheaper than a lot of its peers. There appears to be a lot of upside. They're smaller. Um, They recently purchased 5,000 Bitcoin miners. They mined 207 Bitcoin, and I think in December. Uh, They're using Avalons, which I don't have any reason to talk bad about Canon. I've never used any other products, but, you know, when you think about tissue, you think of Kleenex. When you think about a copy machine or a company that does that, you think of Xerox and like Canon as a stock and Canon as the the Avalons. They just don't have like strong, I don't have, they don't have strong name recognition to me. So uh, that doesn't give me, um, it doesn't give me a lot of confidence, but um, 
they're a small company and uh, it seems like they have growth on their mind. They recently announced plans to bring on like one exo hash. So it's just kind of like a speculatively YOLO play. I feel the same way about core scientific. It's just kind of like, okay, this thing was trading for four cents um, seven months ago and now it's trading at a dollar fifty. They fixed all their problems and it emerged from bankruptcy. A dollar fifty is a lot cheaper than thirty dollars for Mara or, or fifteen dollars for Riot or sixteen dollars for CleanSpark. So if you're just making an assumption that this one's cheaper than all the others, but their books are well managed and there's growth potential there, it's kind of like if you have a ten thousand dollar portfolio, why not put five hundred bucks on it and see what you get out of it? Yeah, I like that pick for for Estig really quick, and then I'll talk about my last pick, which you just mentioned, which was core scientific. Uh, for Estig, I think like the fact that they do have like an energy first strategy, they're doing some really cool stuff with waste coal in Pennsylvania, which I think does like resonate with certain people. That's I don't think true. that ESG play is like as hot as it was like a few years ago, but it's certainly around. Um, and then I, I do think on top of it, there's just like room to grow for for different miners that are just a good point in terms of price. Like if if ETF does come through, I'm of the opinion a lot of these mining stocks are just naturally going to rise. So that could be a good one. Um, let's go over to Core Scientific. Uh, this is one of the only miners I actually have an allocation from personally. And I think that there's a lot of room for growth here in the short term because they are cleaning up their books really strongly. Uh, even the other day, we got an announcement that they came to uh, an agreement with Sphere 3D for uh, a hosting deal from a while mm-hmm. ago that was just uh, went sour, was on their books. Uh, they had the Celsius deal that they also figured out, uh, and they came to a resolution with all their creditors and debtors to kind of move forward and move out of Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And when you see a huge miner like this, and it was prior to Marathon Digital, the largest Bitcoin miner by publicly traded stocks, that means that there's a lot of growth potential here. I think it really could go go up into the right for quite a while, um, just based on like some of the fundamentals of ExaHash and its strategy. Um, I think that they have a few things that are moving for them. Let's talk about like they have well over 500 megawatts in allocation for energy. I don't know the exact number. I just know it's over 500 megawatts. You can probably go on their website and find that out. They have a demand response program, which is always great for cash. They produced uh, 11,000 Bitcoin, or excuse me, they produced 1,100 Bitcoin in December, uh, and they produced 13,700 Bitcoin last year. And that's not even including their hosting numbers. They do have a large hosting component, which can be really profitable during a bull market. Now, during a bear market, it can kind of be a drag because you get into lawsuits, and we always see lawsuits with hosting. But it can be nice during a bull market because you can kind of pad your profit margins there, take on less risk. Um, so there's that. So for all those reasons, Core Scientific is my last pick for this draft. So for myself, Galaxy Digital, CleanSpark, BitForms, Marathon Digital, Core Scientific, um, I will say that there's many other miners out there that are also looking great uh, that we just did not include. Those are my picks for this year. What were yours again? Just a refresh. I had SDIG, uh, Terra Wolf, Iris Energy, and Sato. I think that was five, right? Yeah, five. All right, yeah. so we'll put $100 of Monopoly money into each of these, and we'll check in on them in a quarter uh, on the podcast and see who's doing the best. And we'll also give the time to re- reallocate if we want to, or you know, you can write it out if you want to as well. 
Um, so there's that. If you enjoyed the show and you have any thoughts on our picks, do email us at william at blockspace.media. You can give us uh, your insights on this or just troll us on Twitter and drag us for <laughs> picking something that wasn't in your portfolio. Um, as always, this was not financial advice. This is for education purposes, uh, kind of going through the publicly available information uh, that is out there on these different mining stocks. Okay, that's the end of the draft. Thank you for rocking with us this morning. Ray, thank you for joining us. Where can people find your information? Uh, I know you have another podcast that you do that people should definitely take a look at. And then you also do work with Cointelegraph. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a real pleasure to talk to you, man. I've been following you for a number of years uh, when you were at Coindesk and I think maybe Compass and elsewhere. And I've learned a lot about this space and the industry and just basic Bitcoin fundamentals directly through you. So it's an honor. I told all my friends like, hey, I'm going to be on this guy's podcast. And, you know, like it doesn't have a lot of followers yet, but this guy is one of the top five people. When I think of Bitcoin people in the space and analysts in the space who matter, you're definitely one of them. And you always represent and explain what's happening in the space in a way that's like accurate and um, intelligible and like easy to understand. So an honor to be here. Yeah, man, you you don't know it, but uh, you're a big person in this space. Like if I was going to ask somebody questions about Bitcoin and looking for an answer that I would put into an article or uh, a comment that we want to use at Cointelegraph, you're definitely one of the top people that we would be coming to. So keep it up. Um, yeah, I'm Ray. I work at Cointelegraph as head of markets. I'm also um, a guest analyst at JLabs Digital, where we talk about mainly uh, macro and crypto markets, Bitcoin options, all that sort of stuff. Sometimes mining stocks. You can find me at Horace Hughes on Twitter, so or X as it's called now. So. Uh, until Elon renames it. But uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure being on here with you. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Ray. We'll see you again in a few months here when we revisit the the mining draft uh, from, from then onwards. Best of luck with your stocks. Have a good one. Thanks. Yeah, my team's going to beat yours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs>